Today on episode number 711, I am back from Houston. My voice apparently is still there. And we are talking about what podcasters can learn from Joel Osteen. And I guess I need to do this. If you're a person that is easily offended by any invisible sky buddy talk, uh, this episode is not for you. We're also going to answer the question, how do you get over that voice in your head that says, nobody's going to listen to you? Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I'm your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, this is why I help you start your podcast and grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. If you feel so moved and want to start a podcast, go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, and that will save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. And I just got back from the Spark uh, Christian podcast in Houston, and for a first-time event, there are about 150 people there, and it was pretty much a well-oiled machine. The thing I loved, when you have a smaller, single-track audience, you can feed them because there's not that many people. So I ate a lot of fresh fruit and strawberries and pretzels and uh, Misty Phillip did a great job on this. And with any first time conference, there are always a couple things you go, oh, I didn't see that coming. And, you know, there are always ways to improve that. Heck, podcast movement was the week before. And I'm sure there are things they go, ah, we could have done that better. But it was great. And if you're wondering what's the difference between a Christian podcast conference and one that's not. Uh, we started off the day with prayer. We ended the conference with a prayer. Other than that, not a whole lot. On occasion, if you wanted to drop in a uh, scripture reference or something, you could without somebody going, hey, and throwing things at you. So that was fun. Uh, for those of you that like to geek out on gear, I'm recording this in the hotel room here in uh, the uh, hotel. I'm using a Samson Q2U into Hindenburg, and my voice is shot. And so occasionally you'll hear things called handling noise. And you're like, Dave, what's handling noise? It's this. When I switch hands with the microphone, not really a big deal. So what we're going to talk about today is when in Houston... Uh, do as however that goes when in Rome. Well, when you're in Houston and uh, you get a chance to go see Joel Osteen, you go see Joel Osteen. Now, if you're not familiar with Joel Osteen, who I affectionately refer to as happy Jesus man, uh, you should. And why did I do this? Because here is a guy that has a church that has 40,000 people. For, he, he basically, there was an old basketball arena and he bought it and turned it into a church. It has a lot of people. And this guy is very, very, and by that I mean very popular. And I was like, okay, I've kind of tuned in and out of Joel Osteen. And, and here's the first thing I want to point out about Joel Osteen. Number one, I just mentioned that he's very, very, and by that I mean very popular. And you know what else he is? polarizing. Some people love Joel Osteen because he has this kind of cool message of hope and other people, old timers, are going, hey, he doesn't talk enough about hell. So, it, it's, I mean, you either love the guy or you hate the guy. And if you notice, that is a trend. Howard Stern, you either love him or hate him. 
President Trump, you either love him or hate him. Whoopi Goldberg, you either love her or hate her. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. Rosie O'Donnell, you either love her or you hate her. People that polarize, Rush Limbaugh, you either love him or you hate him. And I, as I said all those names, I'm pretty sure you knew exactly who I was talking about. And so does this mean you have to be polarizing? No, you don't have to be super controversial. But if you are, hey, you be you. And that can actually lead because either people are going to love you or hate you. And you have to kind of be cool with that. I, I was sitting there and I went to the, the Joel Osteen service. It was on Saturday night. I went with Sonny and uh, from the IPN. I'll be talking more about that in the future. We had a great time. She said, hey, you want to go see Joel Osteen? And I was like, the happy Jesus man? I would love to go see happy Jesus man. So we uh, took an Uber to uh, the now Lakewood Church. And uh, as I was going through, I was like, oh, this is an episode. Because here's a guy that is just ridiculously famous. Uh, according to the internet, and we know that's always true. Anything on the internet is true. He's worth about 50 million bucks. And you know what? I wouldn't mind, uh, you know, being worth $50 million. So here's a couple things uh, as we go through this that we can learn from Joel Osteen. Now, again, this I'm, I'm talking about a Christian entity, but this is not a sermon. And I'm going to talk about some of the things he talked about. But again, this is not a sermon. So if you're like, ugh, the whole Jesus thing bear with me. We're still talking podcasting. All right. So the first thing first, Joel started out as a geek. He is, a, he was like the technical guy behind the scenes, lighting tech, things like that for his church. His dad was the pastor. And when his dad died, they were kind of like, all right, Joel, get in there. And I'm sure he was thinking, nobody's going to listen to me. I'm not my dad. I'm the technical guy. And guess what? Uh, uh, yeah, a lot of people are listening to him. Now, here's the thing, if you think about it. Now, I was making a joke about this, but it's not really a joke. Joel did something different. Think about that. The Bible has been around, I don't know, a little while, right? Okay. And uh, there have been so many people that have looked at the Bible from from both sides now, from from in and out and however that song goes. And Joel said, okay, there's kind of one style of preaching. Actually, let's think about it. There are a bazillion ways of, of preaching. I mean, uh, religion, Christianity in general, it's like Baskin and Robbins. There's like 38 different flavors, and that's just the Baptists, okay? But one style of preaching that I heard about growing up was hellfire and brimstone. This is where you explain to your audience that if they don't accept Jesus, you're going to hell. And uh, we're and I always thought it was interesting. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Like, did somebody go, wait, what's there? And they go weeping. And I'm like, so what? And they go, okay, but gnashing of teeth. And you're like, oh, wait, hold on. Now you have my attention. I always thought that was kind of interesting. And instead of about like preaching about the horrors of hell, Joe went into the Bible, the same Bible, and found all sorts of scriptures that pointed out how God kind of wants you to prosper. And so... Some have deemed this the prosperity gospel, and because it's different than what other people previously did, of course, the people that did the hellfire and brimstone said, he's doing it wrong. He's not doing it like me. You got to scare people into Jesus. And um, Joel was not swayed when people said, you're doing it wrong. So he did his thing. 
And because that's what he was passionate about. He's like, you know what? I think we should be known more for love than how much we hate this and we don't do that and things like that. And lo and behold, it apparently found an audience, a rather large one. So when I went to the Lakewood Church, which is just this giant thing, you look at it and you go, wow, this looks like a basketball arena. And the reason for that is it used to be a basketball arena. I was like, holy cow. So Sonny and I walked in. Uh, apparently, what a, I think it was a side door or something like that. And we weren't exactly sure, like, okay, what do we do? We're here. And so it was easy to identify who the staff was. And we just walked up and said, hey, it's our first time here. And so the worker knew exactly what to do. And really, before I could blink, I was given to another person who was giving me a tour of the building uh, the kind of the history of the church and explaining that, hey, there is a bookstore, and if I wanted to buy anything, at the end of the night, Joel would sign it because he kind of stands outside of it at the end of the night. Now, this was not a heavy pitch. They're just letting you know, hey, if you want to meet Joel, he's going to be up there tonight. And I was thinking, really? Wow, that'd be kind of cool. And uh, they then escorted us to the fourth row center, like smack dab, like in like really these were great seats. And I felt so lucky. I felt special. The sanctuary was beautiful. They had these cool colored lights in the, in the ceiling. They had an amazing backdrop for the band and a choir uh, made up of every shape, size, and color of person ever. So what's the lesson there? He made it easy for first time visitors. And so what do we want? We want subscribers. We want downloads for our podcast. And we have to remember there's a lot of people that when you say, oh, just subscribe to my show on Apple Podcasts, they'll go, oh, okay. And then they go back home and they go, I have no idea what he just said. And also remember that the Apple search is horrendous. It is bad. It is caca. It is a poo-poo. So you don't want to say, find me an Apple podcast. You want to have a link on your show. Oh, you want a link on your show, a link on your website with a link to your show on Apple, a link to Google, link to Spotify. And in some cases, you might want to put some directions. They didn't say, oh, yeah, the sanctuary. Uh, walk down this hall about a mile and a half, turn right, and look for the big room with the seats. No, they took me hand, almost by my hand and directed me where to sit. We need to do that if we want subscribers. Don't just say subscribe. Send them to our website and then maybe have directions. He made it super easy for first-time visitors. Because remember, we're all happy about, hey, 51% of Americans have listened to a podcast. That means 49% have no idea in some cases. The other thing he did is he honored the heritage of the church. And they played clips from his father who started the church so he kind of acknowledged who he came from. Oh, you know what? Now that I think about that, that's not really for you. That's for the Academy of Podcasters. Let's, let, let's move on. That's an inside joke if you're brand new to podcasting. Sorry about that. He, it was a well-oiled machine, though. There were no lags in the presentation. Uh, you didn't see where, like, one pastor or the choir member was, like, going, hey, should we go to the mailbag? I don't know. Do you want to go to the mailbag? I don't know. You know, they weren't going, should we do the mission thing now? I don't know. Do you want to do the mission thing now? I don't know. Let's go to the, they just went to the mission thing. And so when I hear people go, hey, uh, that was funny. Should we go to the mailbag now? I don't know. Let's go to the mailbag. Should you, I don't know. Just go to the mailbag. And the reason you do that is because you 
are a well-oiled practice machine, and you know what to expect. So keep that in mind. They introduced, for example, they actually went to the mission thing, and they uh, his brother came out, spoke about a conference that wrapped up. They introduced a video to show how they're helping people with Ebola in Africa, and the video came up. So it wasn't like he was going, hey, Earl, in the back, the AV guy, you want to roll the clip? He was just like, and here's what we're doing in Africa with Ebola. Boom, video started. Everybody knew what was next because it was thought out. There was a plan. The other thing I thought that was really cool was they kind of threw the audience a curveball. And as much as we love a format where it's going to be this and then that and then the mailbag and then the call to action, like in the middle, they had these praise songs. Now, if you're like, what the heck is a praise song? It's I affectionately refer to these as 7-Eleven songs. It's the same seven words 11 times. And I'm making, well, I'm kind of making that up, but kind of not. They're super easy to sing along. They're super easy melodies so that if you've never heard this song pretty much by the second or third time you hear it, you go, oh, I could sing that. And so you do. So what does that do? It gets the audience involved. And so they did about three of these. And then all of a sudden they snuck one of the soloists off the stage and she goes to the back of the auditorium and sang back there. So all of a sudden they found this old school hymn called Nothing But the Blood. And she starts wailing this song at the back of the auditorium. So now the people in the back are getting what was the same experience as the people that were in the front. And it just had the whole auditorium going, wait, where's that voice coming from? Hey, she's in the back. So I thought that was cool. If you've gone to any kind of music conference, uh, this is an old Kiss, ACDC trick, whatever it is, probably uh, uh, Taylor Swift or anybody else is doing this as well. But that way, the people in the back are not forgotten. And that's another thing we should kind of throw in here, not so much as a curveball, but they really try to make sure that everybody has a great experience. I was uh, listening to a replay of this, and they actually have a Spanish-speaking uh, service. They have a service for younger people. They had a Saturday, Saturday service that I went to and they had a Sunday service. So they're trying to make sure it's easy for everyone. The other thing they did that I was like, wow, that was kind of cool, uh, relates to pacing and anticipation. So this is a great tip. If you're doing narrative style podcasting, you know, storytellers, they kept the service moving with the music, but about five songs into their performance, their backdrop look like a galaxy, you know, basically the Milky Way kind of thing, millions and millions of stars. And then all of a sudden, these letters start to briefly kind of flicker in and they're the bright letters and, and the band is building up and there's a crescendo in the dun, 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 here we go. And then and all of a sudden the place erupts into applause because the letters Jesus in big bright letters show up in the galaxy. The band's playing louder everybody's erupting, hands are raised, and as the band hit the final notes, who walks on stage? None other than Joel Osteen as he starts to open his message and his prayer. I was like, that was a cool pace. That was a cool crescendo. So keep that in mind. Pacing, uh, sometimes building up to something, when it then happens, you're like, ah. So that was cool. And again, like I said, everybody here knew their part. It was a well-oiled machine. There are multiple uh, guitar players in the band, but there was only one lead player. There was a keyboardist. There were hundreds 
of backup singers, and they all worked together to deliver the song in the best way that connected with the audience. The security for Joel Osteen was extensive, because think about it, this guy again uh, would get mobbed if he walked out in public probably, and they were there to keep him safe, because unfortunately in today's world, if somebody wants to get famous, all you got to do is bump off a famous person, and they will talk about you for years, and so... Everybody knew their part. So if you have a show with a, a host and a co-host, someone is driving the show and somebody is doing color commentary. Now, you might be able to do a little bit of both, but again, that's going to rely on you knowing what's coming next. And one of the ways you can do this is using Google Docs. If you've never used Google Docs, just go to docs, D-O-C-S, .google.com, log in with your Google account, and you can share a uh, document with your co-host and you can actually both type in it at the same time and you can see what they're typing which for the first time you do it is kind of creepy but it's a great way to share information and you can actually kind of have a chat going in the background while you're recording and if you're both watching the doc it's kind of a cool silent way of communication especially if you're not looking at each other so everybody knows and everybody does their part another thing that i thought was cool is know your point. What are you going to talk about today on your podcast? And does everything you're talking about back it up? Now, if you have one topic per podcast, then we're talking about the whole episode. This show that you're listening to has multiple segments. So we're talking right now in segment number one. Later, we're going to talk about getting outside of your head. So here, all the points I'm bringing up are relating to how can podcasters learn from Joel Osteen. And so in his case, Joel's whole message could be boiled down to one sentence, which was basically when you're in a bad situation, you should still help others who are having problems. That was basically it. When you're in a bad situation, you should still help others who are having problems. You shouldn't withhold good just because you're having a bad day. And all of those had a scripture reference that built that point. And this is kind of similar to a book that I recommend a lot for speakers or for podcasters. It's called The Secrets of Dynamic Communication, uh, Prepare with Focus, Delivery, and Clarity. Uh, it's by um, Ken Davis. And so there's a great point in there about how to kind of outline your topic or if you're doing, you know, in this case, episodes, things like that. It's a really good book that really helps you flush out, okay, what should I be talking about? So know your point and then make sure that everything lines up with that point. And speaking of knowing your points, explain things when you can with a personal story. So after sharing some examples from uh, the Bible, again, his main point being when you're in a bad situation, you should still help others. So Joel explained a story about how his dad, when his dad was running the church, saw that a little Spanish church down the street had started to build a building for their church and then quit. Well, Joel's dad was raising funds for a new auditorium. They were building a new building as well. And instead of taking the money that they raised for their building, they raised money and gave it to the Spanish church. Hence, even when you're in a bad situation and you need money, in this case, you should help others. And so that was a personal story that, again, gets you a little insight into Joel, into his family. They kind of put their money where their mouth is kind of thing. 
and it gives your audience a chance to know you. Now, the thing that really I was like, that was cool is Joel was vulnerable. And I've talked about this in the past, and this doesn't mean you open up every episode by crying your face off, but it's cool when it happens or anytime you just show yourself maybe in your not, uh, not the greatest light. We usually don't like to show off our warts and wrinkles. So at this, the end of this story, Joel's explaining about how 40 years uh, after they helped build that little Spanish church, he was driving by it. About that time, I passed that small Spanish church that my father and Lakewood had helped over 40 years earlier. Their little sign outside said, thank you, Lakewood, for giving us our building. My mind. And he kind of got choked up and he tried to say it again couldn't really get through the sentence and uh, put his hands up over his eyes to kind of cover them, turned his back to the audience. Now, nobody booed. Nobody shouted, how unprofessional. Instead, they cheered him on. And I've said this before. If you ever mess up, especially in a live situation, your audience wants you to succeed and they will cheer you on. Oh, boy. Oh, thank you. I'm such a crybaby, <laughs> but I feel it. So he, he turned back around so you could see him. His eyes were kind of red. He grabbed a tissue and wiped his eyes. I forgot what I'm talking about, y'all, but I know I'm sad. But anyway, no, you know, so let me pick back up, y'all. So, And I can't find, hmm, I can't find another way to explain this besides saying that this was just a real moment. And I kind of instantly felt more connected with him. I was like, well, that's cool. That's like a dude on TV sitting here crying on stage. And uh, I thought it was cool. And then later uh, today, as I was re-watching, like they did that same kind of presentation on Saturday night. I watched it again on Sunday and at one point, he was telling really the same story that he did last night. Uh, not that same story, but he was he was doing the same presentation. And he goes, wait, did I say that right? I'm going to say that again. And the podcaster in me goes, oh, I would have just edited that out. But hey, it's live TV. So he was vulnerable to go, hold on, that wasn't right. Go back and start it again. And again, this is Joel Osteen, 40,000 people. Just so wait, I want to do that again. I thought that was cool that he's willing to not, it doesn't have to be perfect. The other thing is, Joel knows why he's doing his TV show, why he's doing his podcast, why he's doing everything. And that is, in this case, he wants people to know Jesus and accept Jesus. And at the end of the service, consequently, his why is his call to action. And he, he calls people to accept Jesus. And I looked around and a boatload of people did. And I was like, well, that's cool. This seems to be working. And so I was happy about that. He then promotes subscriptions and makes it easy. So after the service is over and they've got the, the band playing the outro music, uh, and they also did this during the service, they have, of course, big giant video screens and they put a link to their website and they mention their podcast. So it's like, hey, if you want more information, here's our website, listen to our podcast and download our app. You can actually watch their TV show on an app. 
So multiple ways of connecting with people. So don't just give people Apple Podcasts. Give them Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify at least, at least now here in, in February of 2020, and make sure that they want people to not just enjoy today's service. You can actually build a deeper relationship by downloading our back episodes so they promote subscriptions. So it's really easy to direct people to your website, get your links for your show uh, in Apple and Google and Spotify. Put those on your website. You don't want to tell people, go find me in Apple, go find me in Spotify, because in many cases they can't. Because as I mentioned, it's horrendous. The other thing I saw that I was like, ah, here's another tip that podcasters can learn from Joel Osteen. He is doing a service later on this month with Kanye West. So collaborate with other people that are doing the same thing you're doing. And I know you're like, but Kanye West is a rapper. He also does like a Sunday church thing. So Joel Osteen's like, well, that's kind of cool. We're both doing something similar. Why don't we cross promote each other? So they are. And the last thing that I was like, that was pretty cool that we can learn from Joel Osteen is he served his audience. And I think if we were to peel back the different layers of all podcasters, most of us are serving our audience. We want to either help them do something, whether it's save time, save money. We want them to have a different belief. We want to encourage them to do something differently. We want them to understand and and support a cause, whatever it is, but we are trying to serve them in some way. And so at the end of the night, just like the, the tour told us, he would be waiting uh, near the bookstore. And so we went over to the bookstore because I was like, hey, that was a pretty cool service. I had a good time. Their choir was amazing. As, as somebody who used to sing in the choir, it was amazing. And so I go in, I found a book, found a cup with my favorite verse on it, and we walked over to get a picture with uh, Pastor Osteen, like good old Joe. Let's hang out with the, the happy Jesus dude. And there was a big old line, like a big old line. And I was like, oh, we probably should have gotten in line first, but then we wouldn't have had anything to sign. So that was number one. You didn't have to have something to sign. He'd say hi to you anyway. And we're looking at it and there's like a line of, I'm going to say somewhere between 70 and 100 people. It's one of those where it didn't look that long, but it probably was longer than I thought. And then they'd cut off people, and we were just standing there, and the support people didn't leave people in the dark. So number one, never leave your audience guessing. I wonder what's going on here. They came over and said, hey, here's the deal. He's going to go through that line. Since it's Saturday night, there's a really good chance he's going to come over and say hi to you. But we can't guarantee that because, you know, he just did an hour presentation It's Saturday night. It's getting late, but we'll see. And so we we stood there. We're like, well, there's a chance. I'd like to to meet him. It'd be cool. And uh, to make a long story short, the the first line of people go through, and instead of shutting down the line, he's like, no, no, let's let all those people. And it's another long line, and I'm near the end of this. And so we get in line, and here's where I was really impressed with his security team because they take it serious. Like, you got to stand in it like you have to be able to stand behind me and in front of me with a lot of room. But I thought this was a great marketing trick. So he he comes over and he says hello. But before he comes over, when he's about two or three people away, his team comes over and goes, hey, were you planning on taking a picture? Because he doesn't really pose with people, but we can take pictures 
of you as you meet, Joel, if you like. Well, who doesn't want that? So I hand him my phone. They get it ready. They get Sonny's phone. She's ready. And he walks over. We explain to him that we're from a Christian podcast conference, uh, yada, yada, yada. I'm from Ohio. Oh, Ohio, that's a great state. You know, and the whole nine yards, you get your picture taken and you move on. And they say, look, when he moves past you, exit to the right and thank you for coming. And the thing I thought was really interesting is as somebody that when you are doing a live presentation, and for me, I don't care if that's Microsoft Excel or if I'm talking about podcast monetization at the Spark uh, Christian Podcast Conference, when I get off stage, there is an adrenaline um, depletion, and I go from being very wound up to I need a nap. And it's, it's, it's definitely a kind of situation. And I'm thinking that dude just got off a stage in front of about 10,000 people on a Saturday night. And now he's standing here and I'm like, he's gotta be. And I, I just looked up and he's, he's not, you know, he's still pretty young, but you could kind of tell he was, he was a little tired because he's been standing on his feet for a long time. And I thought it was amazing how he greeted every single person with a big old smile, a nice handshake, a grateful attitude. And I thought that was cool because if you think about it, while this is the 8 millionth person he's probably met that day, he knows that that was the first time and probably the only time I will meet him. And I'm going to go tell somebody about it. And I'm either going to say he was a really nice dude or he was a jerk. And in my case, he was a really nice dude. He bought some magazine I bought said, thank you for coming, appreciate you, and uh, off we went. And so he didn't have to do that. And in the end, if you think about it, all he had to do was stand up for another half hour, 45 minutes, and it doesn't sound like much. But if you've been standing up all day, that could be like, ugh. So he served his audience and went the extra mile and made it super easy to market his show. Why? Because you take the, the 17 pictures that you find on the phone that the, his staff took, you find the best one you got, and you throw it on Facebook and say, wow, I was at Lakewood uh, Church in Houston, Texas, and I got to meet Joel Osteen. And if your friends and family go, what's a Joel Osteen? You give them a link, and off you go. So if you ever get a chance to meet somebody that's your listener. And I need to do this so much better. I always forget because I'm just excited to meet somebody who listens to my show. I need to go, hey, can we get a quick selfie? And be sure to get their card so you can link to their website, things like that. So those are just some quick things that if you think about it, if it's working for Joel Osteen, and if you look at the size of his church, apparently it is, and he's got all sorts of book deals and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we might think about implementing some of these to our podcast. I have a strong desire to say the word y'all. Like, it's 217, y'all, and I got to get into this uh, hotel by 3 o'clock. And so the question of the month was, how did you overcome the self-doubt? How did you overcome that voice in your head that said nobody will listen to you and our first person is Dan. Take it away, Dan. Hey, Dave. This is Dan Krynas, host of the Leader of Learning podcast. And I wanted to weigh in on your question about how to get over that fear of no one's going to listen or why should anyone listen to me? 
Now, on my show, Leader of Learning, one of the things I really tout is for educators and really anyone out there to be a lifelong learner. And really hosting the show means that for me. I do an interview show, and every guest I bring on, I learn so much from. And I know it's always good to keep in mind that avatar that you do your show for, but selfishly, I always think of myself as my number one fan. And if I'm my number one fan, then I'm getting guests and creating content around topics that I really want to learn more about, and I'm just hoping that people out there will really want to tune in as well. So it helps me to know that I produce content that I'm going to really want to learn about and be proud of first before I share it with anyone else. And it just really helps me get over that imposter syndrome and really spending too much time worrying about why people may want to tune in. Another thing, quite honestly, is that I'm about to finish my doctoral degree in educational leadership. And on some level, I really do feel like that has given me a sense of credibility that really does help overcome the imposter syndrome. To think that I now have this expertise in a certain area kind of gives me the ability to know that what I do put out there and share on my podcast is based on some really sound educational and leadership practices. Dan, thank you so much. Yeah, if if it's entertaining to you, well, then it's got to be entertaining to other people as well. So I do that a lot. I think I'm my own avatar. And yeah, I love the way you put that. Here's another way of thinking about that. Think of the hardest thing you've ever done. Isn't podcasting probably easier? Or if it's not, you've done hard things in the past. Just, you know, jump on in. You've done a hard things in the past and lived. You can start a podcast and live. Next up, we have John. Hello, Dave Jackson. My name is John DeRosa, and I'm just calling in to answer the question of the month because I've gotten a lot of great tips from you. I've been recommending this show, and I'm a big fan of your methods and tips and everything. Uh, when Dave, when you teach us something, I'm always like, all right, Dave told me so. This And it happens exactly the way as you predicted with uh, a lot of different things, which I can go into. But anyway, to the question. How did you overcome thinking? Nobody will listen to me. How did you just ignore that and press record? I would say two reasons, and I still have those thoughts. You know, nobody's going to listen. Why are you doing this? My brain just kind of tells me whenever I sit down to record, put a negative slant on things. Two things help me overcome this. One is a tip from you, and that's that we're podcasting about a topic and subject that we are passionate about, something that we're interested in. Because, you know, if it weren't that, then, you know, we're going to burn out very quickly. And if, you're, if your brain's telling you that your podcast sucks and you're not interested in the topic, you're probably not going to do it. So for me, being super passionate, interested in the topic helps me realize that even if only five or 10 people listen, it's still a worthwhile enterprise to do. And then the second thing is, you know, hey, maybe they're not going to listen to me, but they will be interested in listening to some great experts and others in the field. So bringing on guests and doing interviews has also helped me overcome that and say, okay, yeah, maybe who the heck cares what John DeRosa has to say on this topic? You know, some random uh, 30-year-old guy who's got a podcast, but they do care about some of the you know, top experts in the field and their take on uh, different arguments and things like that. So those two things, one, be passionate about the topic. Two, list, uh, bring on great experts in the field so they'll listen to them even if they don't listen to you. And I've been surprised at how many people just, I'm like, hey, you want to come in the show? And they just said, yeah. 
Anyway, my podcast is called The Classical Theism Podcast, and I'm a Catholic Christian who's passionate about philosophy, about God, about Jesus, and learning about those topics and how to dive into them in an intellectual way. So that's what my podcast is about, and you can find more about it at classicaltheism.com. Thank you so much, John. I like that idea. If you're a little nervous starting in, maybe start off with some interviews, and that way you are not the star when you first start out. You're just there to spotlight the intelligence of other peoples until you get your feet wet. Next up, we have Paul. Hi, Dave. This is Paul from the Fighting Through World War II Memoirs podcast. Regarding how did I get over the nobody would listen to me obstacle, when I started back in 2013, I think I rather turned things round to ask would they listen to me rather than nobody would listen. Um, I began with an open mind with no experience of podcasting but wondering if it would help me to promote my father's war memoirs. I launched with just two episodes followed by a third a week later. To begin with I was getting around five downloads per day for each episode which I thought was okay. The following year I was still getting around five downloads per day for each episode and uh, by year three I was still getting around five downloads per day um, for each episode though towards the end of that year I think it got to the heady heights of six and at this point I decided that people were listening to me though I clearly wasn't growing my audience massively but uh, that wasn't surprising considering I had no website no social media or anything um at this point, I changed over to Libsyn, and within 12 months, my downloads had doubled, partly thanks to their uh, automatic distribution features, picking up podcasting plays I'd never heard of before. Uh, some years later, and I'm still growing slowly but steadily, I'm very happy with the progress I've made, and I've proven to myself that people will listen to me. And a fair amount of positive feedback has persuaded me that there are plenty of good reasons just why people continue to listen. Um, I think the moral of the story, if there is one, is to believe in your content, which I did, and assume that people will listen. Either way, you'll soon find out. So uh, lack of confidence is certainly not a reason not to put your toe in the water. Thank you very much for the excellent and varied show, Dave. I'm Paul from the Fighting Through World War II Memoirs podcast. Bye-bye now. Paul, thank you so much for sharing. This next one was recorded using a Samson Q2U, the same mic I'm using right now, and a, T a Tascam DR10, which is a little portable recorder that plugs into the bottom of any microphone with an XLR input. And so this is recorded in the uh, lobby of the hotel last night. And uh, I want to say Sean, but that's not right. Holland, not even close. Not like even remotely close. How did you get over the nobody will listen to me? In uh, Did you have that at all? Or were you just driven to hit press record? I, I, I didn't care whether people listened to me or not. My podcast is exists because my co-host and I wanted to do something that was fun. We wanted to create content together. And our metric for success from the beginning was, are we having fun? And as long as we enjoyed it, we were willing to do it, whether anyone else enjoyed it or not. We don't care. And speaking of that podcast, what's the name of it and where can we find it? The Afterward. And you can find it at theafterwardpodcast.com or on Apple. And tell us a little bit about that. We look at the intersection of macro trends and storytelling. So we look at 
what's happening in the world and the words that we put around it and how the words that we put around it affect how we think about it. So we might look at something like AI and how fictional stories about AI affect how we think about the real thing that's happening in the world and whether we're willing to embrace it or reject it. And we've got one more from the lobby. And when I was going through marriage counseling, we kind of looked at the counselor and said, what do you do when you're just in a stalemate and nobody will move? You just have this major, major argument. And the counselor looked at us and goes, oh, that's easy. I can tell you who should move first. And we're like, great, who? And they said, the more mature one. And we went, oh. And so this is kind of like one of those answers where I'm like, ooh, this is a really good answer to this question from my buddy Thomas from Novel Marketing. But uh, I am here with Thomas from? Novel Marketing. So the question of the month, of course, is how, how did you get over that mental, uh, you know, nobody's going to listen to me kind of thing? And uh, Thomas had the best answer I've, I've ever heard, period, of this. And I was like, oh, we have to, this is like a bumper sticker. I'm thinking T-shirts, things like that. So, Thomas, what is your answer to this? Love. The key is to care more about your audience than you do about your own pride. If you can do that, you get over yourself and you can make any kind of content. And if this wasn't a cue to you with no lifetime warranty, I would drop the mic right now, but uh, it, it's not under warranty. So, uh, And again, where can people find you? Novelmarketing.com. Very cool. And I just realized, Thomas, I forgot to ask you, what is your podcast about? Novel marketing is about helping authors sell more books, both fiction and nonfiction, using innovative marketing techniques. There we go. That was a lot of fun at the Spark Podcast Christian Conference. Links to everything will be out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 711, as this is episode 711. I am clocking in just under time here. I'm at 232, and I do want to tell you about one thing. And that is if you've ever been stuck on your uh, technology, what kind of gear to get, things like that, all you got to do is go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash webinar. And February 26th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I'm doing a webinar called The Right Podcast Gear. And I'm going to go over, like, if you're like, Dave, what was that Tascam DR thing? I'm going to be like, here's what it is. Here's the pros and cons of it. Here's a Q2U. Here's the pros and cons of it. So we're going to understand the pieces parts. And then we're going to talk about how do I put this pieces parts together for your podcast. This is a free webinar. It is almost full. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash webinar. I will also be at PodFest in Orlando. Go over to PodFest multimediaexpo.com, and that will tell you everything about that. I'll be working the Lipson booth, also be doing some speaking there, and rumor has it there will also be some guitar playing going on there, so that's going to be fun. And as for the question of the month for next month, I kind of hate asking yes or no questions, so this is somewhat of a yes or no question, and it is, have you, and it's for people that have a podcast, so I'm kind of trying to show people the the benefits of doing this and maybe I won't we'll find out together and that is have you ever done some sort of survey for your audience whether via you know MailChimp or Google Forms or whatever tool you used have you ever done a survey for your audience to figure out you know what they like and what they don't like and if so what was the thing you learned from that survey and if you haven't What's stopping you from 
surveying your audience. Go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question. And as you heard today, don't forget to mention your podcast and your website, pretty please. Makes it much easier to link when I don't have to find your website. I deeply appreciate that. Thanks so much for tuning in. I look forward to getting back to the studio, getting back to home, and getting back my voice. Thanks so much for listening. This is Dave Jackson from the schoolofpodcasting.com. Until next week, class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. <laughs>